Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Busted Open Masters Class. It's me, Bully Ray, along with my partner for today, Mark Henry. Just me and Mark one more time. Back by popular demand, everybody loved us on our May Young episode, and they said, hey, guys, why not do it again? Because we love the Hall of Fame and Pain podcast so much. So, Mark, how are you today, buddy? Man, I'm doing great, man. This is uh, one of my favorites, I think. Um, I'm looking forward to it. So today, me and you were talking, like, what do we want to talk about? What do you think the fans want to listen to us talk about? And the hot topic now, especially in the world of the WWE, seems to be the draft. It started uh, about a week or so ago on SmackDown. It ended this past week on Monday Night Raw. The, the squads have been split up. We have two different rosters again. They mixed it all up. Um, I'm glad that it was done. I thought it needed to be done in the worst way. I'm not a huge fan of the draft, but I am a fan of new faces on new brands and new matchups and new storylines. Um, the new makeup, I, the, new, the new mix up. So it don't get stale. And, and things can get stale very quick these days, as we've seen, and it can happen to any wrestling company. But when you're running at the speed of light the way the WWE does, yeah, sometimes things can get a little stale. Um, we discussed this, and we thought that it would be cool if we talked about our um, draft memories and do you remember the first draft you were involved in? You were in the very first one, correct? I was, and, you know, because I get hit in the head a lot, uh, I, I don't remember every single detail, but I do remember um, not being happy because, like, some of my friends were on the other brand. And that was the one thing that, you know, I went, hey, is there any way that we can be on the same brand? And they they told us no. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> it was just you know demoralizing for Think lack of a ride. better term yeah like now i gotta pay full trans i gotta get my own car i gotta pay for my own hotel room yeah. you know so it was it was uh it was a little different but you know what we may do and uh i think one of the best things was is is splitting up was because we had to fend for ourselves you you kill you eat what you kill and i i finally got to the point to where I was not focusing on other things, and I focused purely on wrestling, and that was earlier on. 
So during the very first draft, the very first brand split with Raw and SmackDown, where did you get drafted to, Raw or SmackDown? I went to I went to SmackDown. And Were you it on was, Raw? It was on UPN. I was on right. Raw. I was mostly, you know, I was mostly just Raw. And, gotcha. you know, we did the super shows and stuff like that, you know, on the area. It seemed like every other weekend. You know, it's like everybody, oh, I'll see you in two weeks. But, you know, after it became, you're only going to work on this brand. You're only going to work pay-per-views. They, they made pay-per-views just for us then, just for yep. SmackDown. And uh, that was different. And um, I, I, I loved it after the fact. But during the first time, it was a lot of sh- culture shock for me because I was used to uh, guys telling me what to do and, um when you have to make up that on your own, it changes everything. So it it was a big culture shock. When you said you you had guys that were telling you what to do, did you do you mean that you were working with guys that you would no longer see that helped you along the way? Yeah, I was working out um, in the ring with the Outlaws, with Ron Simmons, um, you know, D'Lo and. Uh, Brian Christopher and Kane, you know, that was kind of our traveling crew. And when all of that, when they split us all up, it was like, golly, man, this is, I never hung out with these dudes before. You know, we were in the same locker room. I never rode in a car with some of these people. It was Different world. Different world. Locker room is one thing. Car is a different world. Yeah. The car is, man, like, waiting on somebody okay we gotta go to the gym i want to go to the gym early so i can get back to the hotel and shower and then go to the arena a lot of guys didn't like to do that they like to go leave at 10 o'clock 11 o'clock from the hotel go to the gym and shower at the gyms like i thought that was nasty slap the shower you know walking in them filthy ass bathrooms and stuff and no uh, and then going to the arena and then you check out of the hotel and then you keep it moving. I, I just, that was different for me. Uh, you know what? It, it's interesting that you bring up that schedule because you always know that you want to be in the car and on the road with somebody who has almost the same schedule as you. And me and Devon, nine and a half out of 10 times, same thing. But we both like to go to the gym in the morning, but Devon liked to go have breakfast first. I hated eating in the morning. I like to just wake up, you know, maybe have some coffee or a banana and then go to the gym. Because I always felt like after I ate, I was just kind of, I was a little bit more sluggish. We kind of compromise on that. Like Devon sometimes would get up a little earlier and go to breakfast or maybe I would go with him. But man, you just bring up some memories about, you know, being on that same schedule in the car. Who did you miss the most when you got drafted to SmackDown? Like who were you in the car with at that time? Kane, D'Lo, Brian Christopher, The Rock. Yeah, but who did you drive know, with the most? And, like, who was in the car? Uh, D'Lo. Okay. Me and D'Lo was connected at the hip like you and Devon. Gotcha. You know, we were a tag. And when we ceased to become a tag, you know, it was like, damn, man, like, you broke up a happy home. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it was, I had to handle a lot of stuff on my own. And I wasn't used to doing that. A lot of times, D'Lo rented the car, and uh, I would get the hotels. It got to the point to where now I had to do both, which w- took longer. And 
Uh, I had to find other guys that I like to ride with that kind of fit, you know, as you know. Like you said, I, I like the temperature in the car to be kind of freezing, kind of frosty. You yep. know, I'm a big 400-pound dude. You know, I like it to be like 66 degrees. Mm-hmm. That It's like being married, man. Like the person that I was in the car, man, it's freezing, man. Like, you know, turn the air down. I'm like, man, it is hot. You know, so it was always something. You know, if you and, you know, I, I split rooms before. You know, I used to split rooms. But then it got to the point where I was like, man, this dude snores. <laughs> you know, like he's coming in at midnight, you know, one o'clock in the morning and waking me up, you know, like, so I ended up like rooming by myself, you know, for probably the second half of my career. Yeah. That one, all of that was brought on by the brand split. Gotcha. Once me and Devon had gotten to the WWE, that was it. It was like separate rooms, you know, you know, thank God we're making, you know, good money and you know, the whole nine. So uh, we went our separate ways uh, when it came to rooms Getting back to the draft, the first year you remember getting to SmackDown, but what was the most shocking moment for you personally in the draft? What year, where did you get drafted to, and were you blown away by it? You know what, I, I, got, I went to Ohio Valley Wrestling, and uh, I came back and went into the nation. And everybody that was on the na- in the nation was pretty much on the same side. Um, but then once the nation split up, the culture shock for me was, you know, me and the rock were both on, on, uh, on SmackDown on UPN and D'Lo and Brian Christopher were on raw and Kane was on raw with the undertaker. So like they, it was basically me and the rock were the only two that was in our clique that, you know, kind of stayed together. And as you know, Dwayne was always late, like always. He was a habitual line stepper when it came to being on time. So it got to the point where I was getting fined $1,500. Yeah, he was making $20,000 a week. So it didn't matter. Like, he didn't care about getting fined. <laughs> you know? Like, I, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. He legit was making you guys late, and they were fining you? Yeah. Me and D'Lo, d was so happy that he got – drafted to raw that um that was the only thing that i ever heard him say that was remotely man i'm glad that i ain't riding with y'all no more at least i won't get fined wow jack lanza will find us gerald briscoe find us jim ross find us everybody every manager every everybody that ran shows bro i i, I got to arenas a couple of times where uh you know we, we're we're driving around the people blowing our horn, bah, 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 trying to get to the front of the line because we, you know, the show is about to start. And you know me, how nervous Nelly, I, I was sweating. I was, man, you, like we, because he wanted to go to the gym before and get a pump before we get to the arena, before the show start. But normally we would get there, you know, three o'clock. And that was late because they yeah. wanted us there at one. And um, man, we get there at like two thirty, three o'clock sometimes. And um, there's been a, there was a couple of times, man. I got to the arena like five thirty, mm. and um, you know, you you come running in there, and they're like, "Mark, you're in the opening match. Like, get your stuff on, get your gear together, like this." And I'm like, "Man, like, I'll wait. I don't care. 
They didn't care. You you what you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Yep. So that's that's the fine. So when it comes to the draft, uh, I, I remember you once telling me a story about did you get drafted to ECW? Was that like the biggest thing that ever happened to you in the draft or the most shocking thing that ever happened to you? That was the most shocking thing. So once EC, once the WWE, you know, took over ECW, which I was always a fan of ECW because of the hardcore part of it. But I didn't I didn't really know they drafted intentionally a lot of the ECW people. And then you had me and you had Kane and you had Kali and a couple other folks that got mixed in there. But for the most part, I was on there with like Balls Mahoney and, um, you know, Tommy Dreamer and, uh, you know, uh, Spike Dudley and Sandman. Like it was all ECW people. And um, I didn't know how I was going to get the reception. I didn't know how the reception was going to be with them guys because I had never been in locker room with them hardly. And, um, man, Eddie Guerrero, he was like, Mark, this is easy. He's like, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And I was working with Eddie at that time. So that was like a night off every night. Sure. And then, of course, my first shot at being world champion, you know, it was a triple threat. And I ended up beating Kane. And it was one of those matches where you – uh, you're in there with the elite guys on the brand. And one thing led to another. It was a shotgun deal. This, you know, boom, you take this, boom, you take that. Uh, Kane is already down. I roll over and I pin Kane and I, I'm, I become world champion for the first time. And that was really, really important to me because it was the foundation of me being on a brand uh, with, that I got drafted to where I ended up being the guy and man, it was other guys on there. Um, you know, Eddie Guerrero and Rob Van Dam who were always pulling long matches and, and doing really well. Um, but ECW was, you know, I changed the title. The title I said was too small. I need a bigger title to fit a bigger champion. And I mean, so it was, it was good for me to go to a brand and establish uh, my own identity. Well, it seemed to have worked out for you then. It, it worked out. But you know what? Back then, if you had the ECW title, it was 24 hours. That's where the 24-hour uh, oh, title came okay, from. okay, okay, okay. So every day, I had a challenge. Every show that I was on, I got a challenge. I had to defend the title every day. It wasn't a, oh, you got 30 days to defend the title. No. Nope. I had hardcore matches with Tommy Dreamer, one tour, and then you turn around the next tour, and I'm I'm in a three-way with Kane and Big Show. And then you go turn around, and it's just me and Big Show, or it's just me and Eddie Guerrero, or it's just, you know, so the only true ECW person that uh, that original was Tommy Dreamer. And and me and Tommy had some knockdown drag out. People love Tommy Dreamer. Any if I man, I beat him within an inch of his life. And when he blew a comeback, brother, I had my bumping shoes on. And people that you know synonymous with pro wrestling, when you hear you bumping shoes, you know you're gonna bump and feed. And 
Tommy did not want to bump and feed me. He's man, you too big. You know, I'm gonna do a missile drop kick and then I'll do a a, a bulldog from the second rope. And I was like, no, man, like shit. Like, let's do it right. You know, and that's the ego was gone at that point. So everybody that on ECW, like um, I had a couple of mad tag matches with um uh Sandman and Sabu. And um uh I had a couple with Rob Van Dam, but Rob was on the other side. He Rob was wrestling Eddie and they were doing the more the marathon match, the 30 minute, 25 long matches. And um I remember like in that tag, uh I had never had nobody tell me, hey, take care of me, brother. <laughs> like Sam Man was like, please don't hurt me. <laughs> I was like, Sam Man, I was like, we good, man. I was like, I just look like I'm rough. And I had such a good time with Sam Man. Sam Man is funny. Like, I don't know, you know Sam Man. Oh, he's the best. But the only problem that I had when I wrestled Sandman is I is that never he didn't know how to wrestle him. <laughs> he didn't know how to I'm, wrestle. <laughs> and I was like, where is he? Like, oh, you can't find him. Bro, I you man, I looked all over that arena for him. Uh, they said, no, he here. I saw him in catering. Or I saw him outside smoking a cigarette. Uh, this is that. So I'm going outside and I'm watching, looking where people smoke cigarettes. I, I go over here. You cannot find this dude. And then probably like an hour before the show, it's like, oh, that Sandman standing in the hallway. And I'm like, bro, I've been looking for you for two hours. Like, where you been? Like, let's go over this shit. Like, and and it was um, my dealings with ECW was uh, an eye-opening experience because you had to always think, um, what if something don't go right? And I never really did that because I had other people doing the thinking for me in the nation. So when I went to ECW and I was on my own, I had to grow the hell up. Hmm. I had to grow up because now you got to micromanage yourself and you got to micromanage the people you're working with. And not saying that there was anything wrong with that because that's the way it is with every match. But I never had to do it, if that, that means anything to you. No, I, I, I totally, understand, totally understand what you're saying because in a way, what you had to go through, uh, me and Devon had to go through also when we got split up. And coincidentally, that's our most shocking uh, draft moment. The first year that they did the draft, I remember Vince pulling me and Devon on the side. He's like, I want to talk to you. He goes, I'm going to split you guys up in the draft. And we did not see this one coming from a mile away. And I remember like, that. I remember them showing you and Devon sitting together and y'all doing the yeah. shaking hands and walking apart. Like, bro, that was symbolic. I, I, it was it was cool as hell. But we um you know, we asked him, like, why? He goes, I have to do something shocking in this first round. I need to shake things up. People would never expect you guys to get split up. And like so many things were going through our head. And he said, what do you guys think? And I said, I don't think it's a good idea. And Vince was like, well, why not? I said, well, with all due respect to the Road Warriors, nobody ever wanted to see Hawk or Animal wrestle by themselves. 
I wasn't comparing the Dudleys to the Road Warriors. I was comparing a team to a team. The Road Warriors were an act. You paid to see Hawk and Animal be side-by-side, side, just like you paid to see Bubba and Devon be side-by-side. Side. Nobody's paying to see Bubba by himself or Devon by himself. We're a synonymous unit. So I was like, the interest in each one of us is not going to be at the same level that it was as the Dudleys. Plus, in my mind, I always had a bit of a concern for Devon. I, you know the deal, Mark, you were around this, you know, I'm kind of the one who did the talking for the team and the nego- negotiating and helped put things together. Devon was a, the, the greatest partner in the world, but you, ha- you, you need to be, a team has to have a great leader and a great follower. And the, being a great follower is just as important as being a great leader. It's a, it really is a 50-50 deal. So I was a little worried that, well, Devon really has never been a leader on his own, so I'm not quite sure how he's going to do. You know, and that hmm. was just like brotherly love, like being you know being concerned. Yeah, looking know, at him. Yeah, um, I kind of felt like I'd be okay, even though I'd never done the singles thing before. I felt like because they were going to put me in the hardcore division, and I was going to dance and juggle and hit people with trash cans and that that was that was really easy for me he was going into that really gimmicky reverend thing reverend so, Devon with, yeah. with, Miss, with batista as his uh the box collector and, and i guess the best thing to come out of the split of the dudleys was batista because batista was you know Devon's bodyguard he was deacon batista and obviously dave went on to you know become a huge star so, you know, we, we told Vince, we just don't think it's a good idea. We don't think it's going to work. Um, he's like, but I got to do it. And we were like, all right, li- listen, boss, it's your call. So I went, I went on to Raw, did the hardcore stuff. Devon went on to SmackDown, did the, you know, the Reverend gimmick. And I, had, I was doing okay in Raw. I was tagging with Trish Stratus. I was doing the hardcore stuff. I was tagging with Spike. Things were going great. Things weren't going as well for Devon with the Reverend gimmick. It just, it just, I mean, it was, it was working to an extent, but not really. They had plans for me and Hunter, but I had an un- unfortunate injury at the time where I picked Hunter up for a power bomb through a table and a nerve in my arm went dead and I dropped him. And the minute I dropped him, they're like, all right, this is done. And he beat me the following week. But they were, they were, they were about to give me a chance. They were about to give me an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then you know I'll we never... had a me and you had a Super Show match. We did in Dallas. Remember we had a Super Show match. They put me against you in Dallas, and that's when you pulled my gear down and chopped me. Remember that? Oh, you don't like that? Hell no, I didn't like it. And I told you, you right like then, it. don't do that. Did I do it again? No, you didn't. I'm glad you didn't because I was going to have to eat you. <laughs> and I liked you. I was like, I, I, is this a rib? And you was like, no. What? And I was like, don't chop me. And we went another, we went another round. <laughs> okay, okay. So let me ask you this because I never fancied myself as a singles wrestler. How was the match? I love that. that. Okay. I love that match. Okay, cool. Cause, I'm glad cause I we could did be there the, for you. you. You man, I remember you being so giving, and I and people had told me, you know how the locker room is. We had never worked the singles. We had worked tags before, but people's like, man, bully is just difficult. Man, he's hard to deal with. Like you ain't better, 
you know, get ready to negotiate this and this. And I was like, all right, fudge. Like, here we go. And he was like, what do you want to do? I was like, shit, I don't know what you want to do. He said, man, you're the world's strongest man. You know, make you, make you the world's strongest man. I was like, all right. And it was lock up and push down to your butt. And you like, oh, shit. Like, and, and it was it was wrestling. It was like we, we wrestled old school wrestling, headlock takeover. And it ended up me being the first one to throw a punch and a kick. And I was the heel and yada, yada, yada. And you fired up on me. You had a whole spot and you pulled my gear down and chopped me. I said, hey, man, that's bullshit. Don't do that. And then we kept wrestling. And and it and it got to the finish and you know like I went over, but I don't remember the the what the heat was. I don't know what I did in the heat, but I remember that was the only thing that we worried about in the match. How can we really define the the heat, the where we the the, the heat spot where we went in. I find it interesting about, you know, the boys being, oh, Bubba's going to be difficult with you. Bubba's going to be difficult. That stigma has followed me for so long. Now, you worked with me. Was I difficult? No. You see, I never had a difficult business, match with you. In this business, when you're not a yes man, you're difficult. And I was never a yes man. And being that I always had to do the talking and negotiating for the team, I always had to be, I, I had to be the nice guy and I the had heater. to be the asshole. I had to be, that's just the way it is. Just like Gene Simmons has to be the asshole for Kiss or Nikki Six had to be the asshole for Motley Crue, I had to be the asshole for the Dudleys. And I wasn't going to sit there and pat you on the shoulder and I would just be like, no, here's the reason I'm saying no. Can we move on and think of something else, you know? And, and wrestling is a negotiation at times, but um, I'm glad you told me about that match. Anyway, back to the draft. Listen, it didn't work. So I remember at the Survivor Series in Madison Square Garden, I remember walking into the garden. I see Vince sitting on the other side of the garden, and he waves me over. I walk across the garden. I sit down next to him. I'm like, what's up, boss? He goes, uh, I'm putting you and Devon back together tonight. And I was like, all right. And that was his way of saying, the experiment didn't work. It didn't work. And I wasn't, I wasn't about to go, I told you so, or anything like that. He was, he, never, what? never. You don't do that. You don't do that to, you know, to, to that man. That was his way of saying, listen, he called me over personally. He could have had an agent tell me. He could have had any Tom, Dick, or Harry tell me. He told me on his own because he's the one who told us in the beginning, I'm splitting you up. The, the bad news came from him in the beginning, and now the good news was going to come from him in the end. And, th and, and, and that was it. And we got back together that night in the garden. It was a six-man. Um, uh, it was me, Spike, and Jeff Hardy versus Rico and three-minute warning. Uh, uh, God rest their souls. And when me and Devon got back together, the, 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 the freaking place blew. They were happy. They got their Dudleys back. And, you know, and, and, you know it, was, it wound up being a happy ending. Man, I, I, I love the draft at times. And at times, stuff like that, what you just talked about, made me not like it. And, um, you know, any times, I mean, they broke up, they broke up Matt and Jeff. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, it was, it was like they did a lot of that stuff to shake stuff up. I guess that was like 14, like 13, 14. But like, um, yeah, man, the draft can be great and it can be bad at times. I'm, I'm glad that we was able to talk about it.
Cool, man. Hey, thanks again for your time. Uh, as always, I uh, really enjoy these. I'm sure Dave will be back soon. I'm sure Tommy will be back soon. And we'll all get together to chat again. Uh, hope can't everybody. Uh, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. The, the, the average weight limit will be going back up on the show when Tommy's back. Um, so, um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time on the Masters Class. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.